Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we decry manipulative microtransactions and celebrate when they're done right. We also look at a recent announcement regarding a potential PC release of the hit PlayStation-exclusive Horizon Zero Dawn. We wrap up by talking about the latest Path of Exile announcement and all the things we enjoy about Grinding Gear Games' long-standing hit. Hey, what's going on, Brett? What's got you picking up your sticks this week? Hey, I am still playing Graveyard Keeper. Uh, big surprise, shocker, I'm playing the same game for like four weeks in a row, five weeks, I don't even know at this point, but... <laughs> well, not too well, you know? Um, no, I've I've actually been... So I'm starting to try to stick to a little bit of a streaming schedule. Um, it's not much, and it's not for very long, because... Come to find out, if I actually try to have a, a solid stream schedule, I just end up having to plan absolutely everything in my life. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have dinner from this very specific time, and it has to be done by this time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so and all kinds of other things, because I've had a lot going on in my personal life lately, so I don't want to plan everything. But that aside, I am trying to stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, mm-hmm. trying that out. And time i'm not gonna set in stone yet but between i'd like to start between seven and eight central time and then stream for about an hour to maybe two hours i don't want to be staying up super late um but having some time in there to to interact with some people and and be a little bit more consistent with it but i've actually been i'm in a weird place with graveyard keeper because it's not necessarily like a ridiculous amount of fun now because i (laughs) but it it's it still is fun it's kind of turned into more of like a challenge like and there are still systems being uncovered now i'm like uh we talked earlier that my steam uh hours played just is completely unreliable on this now because at least two or three times i've let it run overnight uh or i'll play half an hour during a lunch break and then leave it on for four hours until i'm off work so that's not a key indicator of <laughs> my time played anymore, but it does have an in-game, like I'm I'm over 200 days now um, on my save game. So I'm significantly into the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And there are still new systems being not like, not like game changing. Um, definitely not as much as like the zombies or anything, but just like, another way of selling products now like now i can sell products in bulk mm. and i'm doing i'm working in tandem and all and it, with the the merchant I've, I've driven down his quest line pretty significantly which has had me drive into a, a couple of the other characters quest lines but i'm starting to wonder just like uh, how how much of this game is here i also looked and saw that because it's been advertised in the bottom corner of the screen but i just never I thought it was a separate game. Apparently it's DLC with another at least 10 hours of gameplay that they kind of state. I don't know that I, I probably would have wanted it in the base game. Like if I would have realized it, I probably would have picked it up earlier, but now it's, I'm looking at it. Like I want to complete this game. I, I, and not like I want to rush through it. I'm not like, I just want this game to be over, uh, but I want to get, I'm I'm challenged by it now. So now it's like I'm not going to let you take me down 
game. It's not like it's hard. It's not some boss that I can't beat that I'm, you know, standing up against. But I just want to, I want to complete the game. I want to see what else it has to offer. And I probably want to, not that I'm out to 100% it, like achievement wise, maybe we'll see where I am when I get close to the end. But I definitely kind of want to see where some of these other characters, like quest lines go. Like if everything is as deep as the, the quest that I'm on and in the way that it unlocks stuff, like should I have unlocked things in a different order? And I'm just learning because I'm taking advantage of actually going to town every week, once a week to meet up with the merchant to work on his quest line. I'm also going to town more on other days to meet up with some of the other characters, some other quest lines intermingle, of course. And I'm just finding out things that would have helped had I realized them earlier. <laughs> like the astrologer sells books that give you 25 blue points for a couple of, so like not a couple, probably five or 10 silver ones, but I've got a good economy. Now I've actually got plenty of money so I can just buy blue skill books now instead of having to craft rinky-dink items. And I feel like by the time I'm, I'm really trying to make one of the prayers as like a gold star prayer, but I have a feeling that by the time I'm able to make it, I, it's not going to be of use to me anymore. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but I feel kind of that way because I'm already making a lot of money and I feel like that's another way to make money. And I just, I kind of jack of all trades to my skills. And I feel like if you drive one skill all the way to the end of the tree, then you can leverage that skill to make certain things. But it, it you almost have to know how the game works beforehand. And I'm not about to start a new game just to min-max, you right, know? Right. There's, it's not like Path of Exile where story doesn't matter and the, the meat of the game is in killing. It's the meat of the game is kind of progressing through these quests and they're not going to change on my next playthrough. And the skill choices, like again, like path of exile aren't going to be important enough to make a, a, a second playthrough of the game really all that different. Right. Mm -hmm. Like in path of exile, I could take, I play a rogue one time and the next time I play a wizard or whatever. Right. At least I feel like it's a different game. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I so it's funny because you know I had, was the one that suggested Graveyard Keeper to you. I think gifted it through a, from a humble bundle or something. Right. But, um, and yeah, I went and looked at my Steam library, and it's actually been a full year since I've played it. Hmm. Like I played it almost like exactly a year ago. It was February of nineteen. Um, but I kind of got. I mean, I I think that's ultimately where I kind of settled. Was I. I didn't get nearly as far as you did. So yeah. it, it's interesting to know that there continued to be more and more systems, which I think is really cool. Um, yeah. But a bad joke that I thought of when you explained that actually was that it's funny because the game systems are almost like a Russian doll, right? Like where you continually a bit. Yeah, a take a layer and there's another and another. Yeah, nesting. There you go. And Lazy Bear Games, who makes that, is actually based a, is a Russian developer. Ah, so. okay. okay. <laughs> a little coy there. But so, no, I, I'm surprised because a lot of games don't do that or do that poorly. They're either built upon, which I mean, this is built upon pre-existing systems, so I guess that's not really the point I'm trying to make. It's like, like Stardew Valley, you, you farm, you fight, you mine, uh, you dig holes and get artifacts and stuff and, and fish. And then once all those systems are there, everything is just based on those, right? And and there's not, I guess, 
I don't know how to explain this. It doesn't, there's no more depth after that, really. Kind of. There's, there, I mean, I don't know about, I guess I don't know about, I don't know if depth is the right word. Like, you but... can unlock better machines and do better farming. Yeah, like, you can eventually unlock these little huts where these, these little creatures the live in. The guys. And, yeah, they'll run yeah. out and, like, pick all your crops for you and stuff. Um, Which, I mean, I guess, I guess that's fair. It's just, I, and I, I'm struggling to find the right words. It's, it's another layer to the game that actually they've done such a good job of economy like you are poor like you in the early game like there's a character that wants wine and wine costs like two silver and it's like no i i need to save i need i need one and a half silver for seeds Mm -hmm. and like i don't you don't get enough seeds back to replenish your crops until you get better fertilizer and so you're just struggling for everything. And now that, and now that I'm gotten further into the game, all of a sudden there are obstacles being removed. And it's not that I'm just making infinite money, but I can, I can finally utilize all these resources that I've stockpiled and sell them in bulk. Not everything, but a lot of things. And it's like, and I have the zombies to, to build more and make more of that. So I'm excited about being able to like, oh, now I can just run in and buy. I'm going to buy all this dude's seeds. I'm going to buy all that girl's milk. And I'm going to go buy a couple of skill books at the, at the you know, astrologer or whatever. And there are still some quests that I need like 15 and 30 gold or 50 gold to get to. And I only have like two right now. But two gold makes me feel like a rich person. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's like... Uh old school MMOs, the currencies were right. hard to come Yeah, like one gold is a big deal. Like, <laughs> hey, It only took nine minutes for me to bring up WoW, but um, <laughs> I actually I actually just saw the other day, the, because the new, in WoW retail, the newest raid just came out. I promise this is brief. And they the, the world first guild or whatever that completed it, they spent like 257 million gold to complete the raid on repairs and you know, potions, consumables, and that sort of stuff. So just a very clear example, <laughs> two gold versus, you know, 257 million in modern MMOs, a uh, little bit different <laughs> scale. It's still a ridiculous, I mean, the fact that there is that big of a money sink, though, is still a testament, because, like, what are you going to do with 257 million gold in Diablo? Well, so what's interesting in WoW, actually, is that not only can you buy WoW time with WoW gold, now right. this is expanded. Sorry, folks. Um, <laughs> I did it. It's me. <laughs> but, but not only can like so you can you can pay. I think right now it's like one hundred and thirty thousand gold gets you a month of WoW time, right? right? But you can also instead of cashing it in for WoW time, cash it in for fifteen dollars credit on the Blizzard store. So you oh, can buy wow. anything on the Blizzard store. That's kind of crazy huge. I'm surprised that doesn't encourage more bot farming. Oh, I think that there's a lot of I'm sure farming. that there probably is. But <laughs> yeah. it's also funny because it it's one of those things that I don't know if I've mentioned it here before or not. Um I, I used to be a little bit into cryptocurrencies, as you're aware. Um our audience may not be. I I was involved in several different uh cryptocurrency startups and, and trading some stuff back and forth, messed around with that for a little while. I am not a Bitcoin billionaire as much as I wish I was. Um, you <laughs> <laughs> I'd still talk to you. You would just wear a jester hat. 
Kyle. That, yeah, <laughs> now you understand what I put up with, folks. You would anyway. gladly do it because I would pay you handsomely. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> to be Something fair to everyone. I have no dignity. So. Yeah, this would not be a slavery thing. I would just <laughs> use the fact that he has no dignity. to. <laughs> Easy to leverage. Easy to leverage. Go on. Um, but there, you know, especially after, as I was kind of getting into it, was just before the giant Bitcoin boom to like 20,000 where people were mortgaging their houses to try to buy Bitcoin. And then it crashed back down to like 5,000. And I think it's like 40 now. It's something crazy. It's not. No, it's not 40,000. If it were 40,000, I would actually be in pretty decent shape. It's probably back up to about six or eight. Um, I don't know the exact. I don't monitor the numbers daily anymore. You're right. But... I'm totally wrong. It's eight thousand seven hundred <laughs> as of today. So that's actually a pretty good price, though. I feel kind of bad that I didn't switch the rest of my coins over this hmm. time last year when it was still six thousand. Right. But <laughs> um, anyway, all of that is to say that like there was a lot of it was in the news enough, and it was in the world enough that politicians were looking at trying to regulate it. Right. So the IRS is trying to get involved and trying to tax it, and this, that, and the other. And I was really interested because I would, I actually would love if, if it is going to be regulated as a digital currency and not as a stock, right. Or something like a a 401k type plan where you can be tax exempt for it. If you're not spending it, Um, if it is going to be regulated as a digital currency, I really hoped that the law would be written poorly enough or they wouldn't have a good enough understanding of what they were doing, that it would incidentally involve all currencies for microtransactions. So like if they were going to regulate it as a digital currency and say it had to be taxed and you had to pay like dividends on it or whatever, I I was like, that could be the nail in the coffin of the entire mobile games industry. Like Candy Crush falls if your silver candy crystal coins or whatever that you bought a hundred for a dollar for are all of a sudden taxable. So do you know that that actually almost did happen? Like the IRS this year actually had a thing about taxing V bucks, which is the the Fortnite currency. Oh and wow! Then, and that got that got nixed before it actually came into to pass. But like, th- and there's actually a thing on like I just I filed my taxes this year already, and there's a thing that asks about about digital currencies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were, we, we definitely, the, the only great thing that I'm in, of course, I, allegedly is that I, uh, allegedly did not purchase my Bitcoin using any real currency. Mm. Um, so that doesn't totally save me. There's some other issues, but I also did stuff before most of the laws kicked in. So most of the reporting, if I cash anything in, I'll probably have to deal with taxes. But until then, just because I'm a holder, I'm kind of in this gray zone because of how I came about it and how I earned it. I didn't mine it. I, it Anyway, that's not for this podcast. And it's all, <laughs> it's all allegedly anyway. I'm not saying that I actually have anything. But yeah, sure. if I did. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's just to say, I if... If digital currencies like Bitcoin come under regulation, I want it to destroy all of the stupid cross currencies. Like, and and sorry for everybody out there holding Wow Gold. It either needs to be you can't buy it for real money and you can't exchange it for real money, and it's just it that Wow Gold is worth the same amount as my single player graveyard keeper gold is, <laughs> or it means something and it's worth something and we're going to tax everything because then it just I really just hate all of the I hate all because it's it's 
so many things like gambling get around the fact that they're actually gambling because they're saying, oh, well, you spent $10 to get 10 floofy coins or gold tickets or whatever. And since you're gambling with those, they're not real currency. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I think that, and not to go off on a complete derail, but this is related to, to gaming still at large because it's so many of those virtual currencies. I mean, I think something like WoW Gold, you know, you're not, you don't you don't pay money to trade it for that, right? Right. You pay $15 a month to access the game. And then if you happen to accrue WoW Gold, you can trade it for that. Right. Um, but I think that's different than the games like Warframe or League of Legends or Destiny that have actual quote-unquote premium currencies that are only obtainable by exchanging dollars for them. Right. Up um, but I'm still confused as to how those would be taxed because you didn't earn them. You traded your money for them, so it wasn't a new source of income. You know what I mean? So It's, I mean, some, yes, and which is why a digital, I mean, there is now, there is a whole thing on taxing currency exchange as well. Like if you're a currency exchanger, you can get taxed because you can earn money that way. That's what I'm saying, though. Exactly, is you're you're making a new income, and I guess with the WoW Gold trading, you are making a new income. The thing is, is that if there's so like with real currency exchange, like if you change dollars to euros to you know yuan or whatever, and then back to dollars, just by trading because of the different exchange rates, you can come back with more money than you started. Yeah, with. yeah, I understand. And, and so like. It, Doing that, like, at what point does that become like you can invest in Wow Gold and then all of a sudden some event happens? It's probably more something more like Eve would be a lot closer, where like a major war happens and now the price of the currency has gone up. And it, it, a lot of it has to do with if you can exchange it back into cash, which a lot of games won't let you, of course. Um, but it, it, it would it would upset a lot of markets very quickly. Well, it's not. Yeah. And wow. I mean, so in, in with with the Blizzard situation, you, you basically are getting it for, you know, for lack of a better term, in-store credit. Right. right. You're getting a gift card. But so to some Blizzard extent, though, I mean, where does that line get drawn? Like, what if you went to a retail store and you had a coupon for 10 percent off? Right. Technically, you just made 20 bucks if you save 10 percent on a 200 dollar purchase. That's Should fair. you be taxed on that 20 dollars? You know what I mean? Like. I we get into some weird. It places is really weird, and it and it's it's probably like you can't transfer it to another account or anything, so you know it's locked right. in, which makes it, which is you know I'm fine with that because otherwise scammers are going to be saying that you know we're the Social Security Administration and we need a fifteen your fifteen dollars in a Wow gift card, you know instead of Apple cards, which is you know, what they do now, but. It, I, I the thing the fact of the matter is is that I actually don't care about the in-game currency markets and i don't think they should have any value and i think that if you're going to say they had that one thing has value then you need to say everything has value so i guess i'm i am just to clarify your vision because i'm not sure i understand it are you against the ability for wow players to trade their gold in for subscriptions and or blizzard balance is that is that what you're saying <sighs> And I'm just curious. I it's, don't mean that in judgment. I just no. Curious. And I guess so. It it because it's made to fight Chinese gold farmers and stuff, and it's also made to fight losing subscriptions, really. And because the market is overinflated, I think that Eve Online has better, it, which is the same system, but has more cash sinks because, like, you can't get your mount killed in WoW, as far as I know. So like, 
you're not going to have to constantly rebuy your mount because somebody shot you with an arrow. Whereas in EVE, everything is like your battleship. If it blows up, you're buying a new one, either with in-game currency or you're exchanging money for ISK, right? Maybe, but you could also be in a corporation that pays you, that built, that gives you the new ship, and maybe they right, mind right. all the made that so there's no actual isk transaction i'm at just all. saying that 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 there is a higher isk sink in eve and a more regulated economy than in wow well so that's the thing though is that really i don't know if that's because in eve it's not really a sink because in eve since it all is all a player-made economy if i my ship gets destroyed and you sell ships the money still stays in the economy it just goes to you in wow the repair bills uh, those just go to nowhere. Now, like right. buying potions and consumables actually does stay in the economy as well because that goes to players. WoW has a couple of interesting gold sinks. One of the more interesting ones they have is the black market vendor, which is something that was introduced a few expansions ago. But it sells. It, it's like this black market auction house that's not a real auction house. Players don't post on right. it. But it just on a timed schedule or whatever lists new items and it lists super rare mounts and super rare items that would other are otherwise very hard to get or maybe even have been discontinued otherwise right sells them for like a million gold so and then that money isn't going to a player it's just going voided right i mean the other thing though is that you're in eve you're not getting isk as far as i know out of most of the random things like that there is not a lot of inflation available in the game like they don't have as many voids, but they don't have as many sources. Whereas you can get, I don't know. I mean, the the you, there's tons of quests in Eve that you can run. They're not they're called missions, but I mean that's the primary source of farming is quests or missions, and then NPCs dropping loot. Okay. Um, and I'm not trying to be too in the no, weeds no, no. here. No, no, no. I, I think I think overall my answer is like I think that trading in-game currency for game time I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Um. Because that's basically like saying, like, it's kind of like having in in the Space Engineer server that I was on, and a couple of them, you could either buy your way in for, like, a monthly pass or pay a monthly fee, or if you were a dedicated member of the community, you might be gifted a level of account that allows that access for free, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's basically saying that if you've got that much WoW gold, then you're probably a dedicated player in some form, and mm. you're buying your pass that way than through monthly payments. And if, if you just want a monthly payment, that's fine too. Yeah. Um, so you're still holding the game up. You're still part of the community. And that's kind of a, a reward for that via proving your worth with You know what, though? I, I'm I, to go just to briefly go back to the gold sink thing because I completely missed the very obvious point, which maybe is what you made. And I might have talked too much and confused it, but it is a gold sink. In that, if I trade the hundred and thirty thousand gold for the for the month, that hundred and thirty thousand gold is gone into the. It's void. So there is right. a gold sink, and that that's way. and so that is right. how the economy. That's the only way to balance the economy. Otherwise, without any gold voiding, you just have infinite gold being yeah. generated and nothing deleting it. Right. 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 Um, but I think that what what definitely bothers me more, like that, is okay, and I think that that's. Yes, the currency has worth because you're buying a tangible service or good. So you could say that there is tangible value to it. Um, you could equate that, you know, 100,000 gold to $15 means it's this much gold per cent of US, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that there are accounts traded because that's what's happening before is gold farmers would trade 
accounts or do gold transactions for real world dollars. And some of that was an attempt to kind of dis disrupt the black market in a, in a way. But I would say that it, what bothers me more is games that only use the currency as a barrier to avoid gambling laws. Mm. So like an online slot machine game where you play slots for gold tokens and you can't exchange those gold tokens back to real money, but it's still get like you're still putting money in and you're paying $10 for a hundred gold tokens and then using those gold tokens to legit gamble with. There have been some sites that, and some places that have tried to do like poker tournaments and stuff this way that have still been shut down uh, because usually there were black market or other ways of transferring those gold tokens back to cash um, by saying, Hey, I've got an account with this much on it. I want to sell it for a hundred dollars or whatever. And it, it's just, it, it's just a shady way of getting around current so, gambling laws is where, is where I'm frustrated with it the most. Like, I, I don't know why it, that and earning they're usually tied to worse mechanics like you can earn them in game but at a ridiculously reduced rate for mm. most of the really shady games like i i think that something like warframe operates in a pretty out there in the open space same with league of legends um but games that are like you know 100 tokens for ten dollars more often than not i would rather just say this skin is 599 this character is 299 you know and those i'm i'm totally fine with but just but then having it translated to like this character's a hundred thousand gold coins, it, it it disassociates you from the value of those coins, especially yes. in because most games do not do like a hundred coins for a hundred dollars, like it's usually at least a multiple of ten or some weird number, and that disassociates you from the price of things, and that's just a shady marketing ploy in my opinion, where if you just say that like. This suit of armor is, is three dollars. Fine, whatever. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not all about microtransactions, but I'm at least about transparency. That's what I was going to say. So, and I, I, I say this, and I, as I'm famous for doing, will preface it with, I'm not trying to like corner you or pin you down on your position sure. as much as just interesting to me, because I don't share the same um, enthusiasm for the position. I guess is the easiest way to say it or <laughs> that's fair um but but so and, and this is a conversation and, and to be clear i know this isn't where we <laughs> where we thought we were gonna be <laughs> we talking about do, today. that's fine right i love it um but so like like you and i have had conversations on many occasions about loot boxes mm -hmm. and i don't like loot boxes because i don't think that they're value like i i personally am not interested in buying them because it is just a gambling thing, and it's like, that's right. dumb. I'm not going to spend my money on a chance to win it. And the things that are available in the loot boxes in most of the games I've played are usually cosmetic, and I'm not hugely motivated personally by needing to obtain all cosmetic things, which is, again, a subjective taste thing. Right, like, um, I am very motivated by subjective stuff. I want my character to look how No, I, I don't want. mean subjective stuff. I mean, my my position of not not caring that much about I don't need the extra skin. Oh, right, right, right. Subjective not objective right right that, that's all I mean. a lot of people try to try to push that there is an objective truth to cosmetic items in that they don't affect gameplay and that's what i push back on is that that I, it's not objective so i i agree that it's not objective because it's definitely an opinion so how could it be right, right. um but I, I mean that is where i come from is that i think that i ultimately land on 
for me, I think the biggest thing that I care about with games is how they play. Now, that being right. said, I have quit playing games because they looked like Elder Scrolls Online as an MMO I tried to play. And the, the walking or running, whatever you want to call it, just the base movement animation of my character was so terrible <laughs> that I quit for nothing else. It even has a lot of mechanics that I like. The PvP is actually designed by one of the lead developers from Dark Age of Camelot, my you know nostalgia golden child game. <laughs> so I should love ESO, and I, I stopped because it was just aesthetically too unpleasing. Um, and then there's games like... I don't know, like Minecraft that look terrible and I think are a tremendous world of fun. Right. right. So, so I can, I, I can definitely go both ways, but I think ultimately I land on, is it fun to play? And I don't think the skins drive that. But that being said, I think honestly, through the conversations with you, I've had to frankly come to terms with the truth that just because I see it that way and that's how I think and feel about it doesn't mean that that's how everyone else would have to see and think about it. Right. It isn't objective because if to you, the most important thing is to have all the cool skins, then that's your choice. The value right. of the game. Well, and, you know, and I even, I, cause I am kind of a collector, but not hugely. It's a lot more if it keeps me from, from having my personality in games. And I think that definitely like having some knowledge of, um, kind of what's going on in schools these days uh so fyi uh the lady in my life is a middle school science teacher and so i, I get to hear and see and i'm mean, at least exposed to some of that you know some of how that goes or some of the things that go on um kids got made fun of for having the default Fortnite skin like it, there were and i don't remember the term but there was like a term that was starting to go around uh, something like millennial or boomer or some term mm -hmm. for kids that were that were normies or use the default skin and essentially it was like you're too poor your parents won't won't you know buy you a skin or you're not a cool kid if you don't have the newest skin so it mm -hmm. became a a point of of social ranking like your skins, like if you had the shark skin you were like oh well you know you, you're kind of in the game you know or whatever but if you have the golden pimp cane skin or whatever then like oh oh my god he's so amazing or you know likewise maybe that kid might get made fun of for being the rich kid that spent too much so there's like this weird social balance tied to it i mean me personally i just want my character to kind of look cool and if there's enough in-game content then the cosmetic stuff doesn't bother me too much and i've paid some for cosmetics i don't mind supporting devs in that way but it is, like you said, tied, when it's tied to the loot boxes when I get mad. Because in League of Legends, if I want to buy the cool skin and I want to support the devs and I know that that's what my purchase is doing, then I'm 100% happy with that. But if I'm buying a chance at a skin, I'm only buying loot boxes. Sure, I'm, I'm still supporting the developer, but I'm not getting the thing that I wanted. This transaction is not equal to me. Right. I want to Which, support League of Legends because I've been playing the game and I want the new like Ibarra skin or whatever. And right. I want that thing because I want that character to look cool and I want to show others I'm supporting the development of this game by buying this skin. So I the the so I actually share the exact same position when it comes to loot boxes. 
and I and this is kind of the point that I was starting to get to earlier when I said I'm not trying to pin you down on this as much as just explore it because I think it's interesting. But so for me, where I end with that is I agree that it's a bad value basically to buy a loot box because I don't know if I'm going to get what I wanted. And right. so even if I think even if we erase my previous argument and I just think that the skin is valuable, I I don't know that I'm going to get it. So I'm not going to I'm not going to enter into this agreement with you. Right. And I feel like that if people feel that way and don't enter into that agreement, then the developers will stop doing it, which to some extent has actually started it to has, happen. Yeah, I mean, loot boxes have gone down in popularity quite a bit. I think a lot of that was that they were getting really brazen too. Like, yeah. because it's not, it's it's even worse than slots. And I say that because, and I can't prove any of it. But anecdotally, and I've had this discussion with you before, I may have been on this one of our earlier episodes, where um, they can programmatically give you enough things to get you hooked. Like a slot machine, it is programmed to try to take as much money as it can, you know, like it's got like a 90% win rate to keep you feeling like you're getting up when you're not. But it can't look at you and your history, at least yet, thank God. Hopefully there aren't too many of them that are tied into Facebook and facial recognition. But like there aren't many that are conspiracy laid into the fact that it's like it, it knows enough about your life to try to influence you to play more. Whereas well, a slot is a lot of times going to be a pretty s- small experience versus right. games played over months or lifetimes, right? So anyway. And so, and even early on, and like a lot of this is available, like there are patents that are very obviously like we are trying to determine your social status and what you're influenced by so that we can sell it to you better. Like there's just open patents by Activision and, and EA and several other companies of things that they've tried to do. And you can't see inside that code, like at least on the back of a lotto ticket, they have to, by law, it, at least tell you what your chances are, right? The problem with a lot of companies, like like gaming companies, not wanting to do that is because they manipulate those chances based mm-hmm. on the player. Like both myself and another person, when we, because I played Overwatch very shortly with another person, and we both purchased it about the same time. And I laughed because I, because in the early game you get loot boxes fairly quickly because you're leveling up or whatever, so you get a number of them very quickly early on. And I was like, I bet you money that whatever character I play most uh, within the first 10 loot boxes, I'm going to get not a legendary, but at least an epic level skin for one of the characters that I've sunk the most time in. And lo and behold, both he and I got like epic level skins for one of the three characters that we were playing the most at the time. Now that's, I get it's totally anecdotal and I'm not trying to say that that's how it works, but those types of systems I could very easily see being put into place, whether that was what we experienced or not, or it was just, you know, coincidence. The door is wide open for that kind of manipulation to take place to further entice you like, oh, see, you get what you want when you get loot boxes. There is a high chance. And then then you just have to buy. And then that chance isn't there when you buy 100 boxes or whatever. So that's, I guess, and so that's what I was going to say is that's what's interesting is that really the, the, whenever we've had this conversation, you know, off air about loot boxes and stuff, the thing that you usually will, when I say go to, I don't mean like you're retreating to a cheap argument or something. I don't mean that, but just the point that you eventually kind of, that ultimately is your position is that like, you really just don't like the, 
the potentially manipulative and and manipulative practices and really when it starts the more it looks like gambling which is what we were kind of talking about earlier with the wow gold and all that conversation as well and so i i guess and again this this isn't gaming related i guess i mean it is though it it is okay i guess like and again this might not be a fair question purely curiosity but where does like where does that like to me i don't care about gambling that much like i I think that it's a really bad thing in a lot of cases, but I just don't participate in it. And so, and like a moment ago, you like, and again, this is being a bit nitpicky, but I, I wonder if it kind of speaks to it is like the language that you used was that you, you think the loot boxes are good. Now you have to buy a hundred, but I would say that you still choose to buy a hundred. That's fair. You're definitely enticed to though. in, and, And in a way that you aren't aware that you are being manipulated toward. Um, which, so like, I just hate shady manipulation from a a core aspect. So that's a big part of it. Um, like, I I don't know. I guess there's a difference between blatant advertising and shady, like, like subconscious type stuff. Like, Mm. and I, and the other side is that like, while I'm not woo go gambling freedom everywhere, I'm also not like shut all the casinos down. Like, I think that. It, it's fine. Casinos are a pretty heavily regulated version of that, right? Correct. Where you know what you're going to, there's age restrictions, it's clear, and now people still get taken advantage of and lose their lives. Right. Yeah, over and it, they so. and a lot of people can get hurt by it. There's whole rehab stuff for it, right. but at least there's some guidance and restrictions. Whereas a lot of these games using these systems are in the hands of kids. And I don't want that to be my only argument because it's not, but it is a hefty part of it is like, there's an age indoctrination involved and that really bothers me because they're not as aware of what they're choosing. They're not mm-hmm. as aware of now. And I would also say neither is an 18 year old for the most part. Um, right. And there are plenty of full grown adults of any age that make poor life choices. Um, but at least being a little bit more aware of that is, you know, with some age restrictions with, there are restrictions on they can't manipulate the slot machines to have certain effects on people like that's actually illegal and you know somebody has to eventually win the powerball that has to you know like as much randomness and chance and profit as there is in gambling there are just enough restrictions and laws in place that state that you know the people have to win every once in a while you can't cheat and so uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, yeah, a lot of it is gambling. I also think a lot of it, too, for me, is just that, like, going, growing up and seeing it become that is that it didn't, it wasn't always that way. Like, mm-hmm. you could get a hundred new P outfits could be available for free just because it's a patch. Because the game's already making a crap load of money. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to make all of the money in the universe. And yeah, there's a discussion to be made about games costing more to make, but that discussion can also be thwarted by that's a lot of the choice of the game designers, not the game buyers. Mm. Some. I doubt many people are really pushing for the realism level of horse poop. Like, nobody cares about horse poop in Red Dead Redemption. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, I don't know. And again, though, I think that that's, I think that, that 
if we're going to say that the that the value of skins is subjective, then you also have to say that the value of horse poop detail is subjective. That's fair. Because for me personally, I mean, I don't care about the horse poop necessarily, but like like something that blew my mind in GTA Five, <laughs> which is another Rockstar game, is when <laughs> you go into a gas station and it's like an older beat up kind of gas station, and the the tile floor actually rolls up on the corners like a real old tile floor. Oh, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so and, like, and there are games where that I don't, I, I am opposite. Like nobody is probably caring about the fashion detail in, uh, uh um, Oh, why is my brain suddenly for Deus Ex? Um, mm. and, and all of the designers and marketing teams that they brought in to make realistic kind of futuristic clothing and bicycles and neon signs for random companies. And I love that. So I get I, I'll I'll phase that point that it is subjective, but it is still the choice. And also, for most, if not all, AAA games, they say they cost so much to make, but at least half that money is marketing. Like fifty percent of the cost of a game, if not more, is just marketing. Yeah, so, but that's just. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's no one. No one buys if no one knows, kind of thing, right? I mean. Um, I, either way, I don't mean to, to devolve into like a tit for tat kind of no, thing. No. I, what I'm hearing is that I think maybe the, the best summary of, of the position that I'm hearing and, and you agree or disagree, please. But is that like, I, I think very agreeable, don't like shady manipulative practices as a standard, which I think is a pretty, you know, should hopefully be a normal <laughs> sentiment. Right. So that's not like our take. And really, it's, I mean, the whole reason we do this show is because we love gaming so much. It's a huge part of our lives. And so it's kind of that you see that, there that is, thing that you hold being tainted by this. There is a purity thing. in gaming. Yeah. 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 And, and I do, I will, I will agree that I do hold that position. And that while that may not be the most logical of positions no, or even like... And I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying, kind of, to, the, to anybody else that were there or that that may be hearing this, um, and and I'm not trying to be like pious about it or anything. Uh, that games are super holy and shouldn't be tainted or experimented with. But I think that it, so many things have been lost to corporate executive decisions, and and the you know the heart of many series, whether that be gaming series like. Uh, Command and Conquer being taken over by EA or, you know, just more down to earth things like one company buys another and a product is no longer offered or the next series isn't as good or whatever um, that we've seen that happen a lot. And I don't want to see that happen to games. I don't want to see games become like I don't want to see huh, uh, the next I don't want to see Final Fantasy VII come out and every three minutes of gameplay, I have a pop-up ad, mm. you know, like a mobile game or that I have to put in money to continue. Like, don't, I don't even want to see it come back to a quarter arcade, you know? Like, I think we're beyond that point where it's like, I don't think I should have to put in quarters to play. I should buy the product and own the product, right? Like... And here's the other thing that I would like to that I would like to say, <laughs> kind of on your behalf. And to be clear, not that you need to be defended or something, because your position is not offensive; uh, it's reasonable. But, and that is that the th my answer to all of this always is vote with your wallet. The reason they do any of these things is because it makes money, right? So if they didn't, if they didn't make money, they would stop doing it, which we have seen happen with 
where you've kind of gone away from the loot box nightmare and now we're kind of in this battle pass phase, which I right. think that's going to eventually fade out too. Um, I'm sure it'll be replaced with something else. The, the problem is, but, is that there's – well, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, all I was going to say is just that you um, – that you do that though, like you hold this position, but you also don't go spend a bunch of money on loot boxes and then complain that loot boxes are unfair. So that is correct, and there is yeah. also there is a level of depression that comes with that that I just have to deal with. So I don't buy EA games as much mm-hmm. as I can, um, which I, I that's not even true. I could never buy an EA game because it's not like they're oxygen or something. <laughs> but right. for the most part, I try to avoid EA games. Um, because I don't like them as a company, and I don't want What's to... What's the last EA game you bought? I don't know. Like, actually, yeah, so fully purchased. <laughs> I don't think you've played an EA game in a long time. I I, I own... A, there's somewhere over here to my side, somewhere there's a box copy of Spore. Um, oh, okay. Well, that's 2008. Yeah. So, <laughs> 12 years. Um, no, I think good. I... So, I did buy Command & Conquer 4. Okay. Uh, and hated it. Yep. Um... <laughs> Isn't that the game we refused to name on the podcast that oh, we did? Crap! Nope! I didn't believe it out! <laughs> I'm, not edit- I'm not editing it. <laughs> I'll edit this episode. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so I, there have been a couple, but I try for the most part not to. But my point being is that there's actually a level of depression with uh, voting with your wallet. Because, and this, I won't go into it, but I also do this with suit certain food purchases. There are certain foods that I actually like but refuse to buy because I choose to vote with my wallet. But I feel like I'm in the minority of people yeah. that will complain about something and then still go buy it. Yeah. And, and 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 that's a shame. But and I feel and because of that, I feel like I, there's it's double fold. One, I'm not getting to enjoy something that I could potentially enjoy if I just spent five dollars or thirty dollars or sixty dollars not not a life-changing amount of money you know for me right now not that it's an insignificant amount but you know it it, and and so i just don't get to enjoy the thing that i want to enjoy like gee i wish that publisher wouldn't have sold out so that i could buy their game because i really want to um Mm -hmm. and other people are enjoying it and having fun and whatever or a dozen loot boxes may get me the thing that I want, and and then I can just enjoy it. And I've only spent ten dollars, so it's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And so I like trying to take this moral position. It's not like it's a live or die moral position to to begin mm-hmm. with. So it's not like I'm trying to grandstand or use it to talk down to other people. I definitely try not to do that. I don't think you've come across that way at all. Good. And I generally don't try to in, in just day-to-day life. I don't go around harping on people that buy loot boxes. Like, I, I no. generally don't even talk about I Like, I don't care. Honestly, the last time I remember us talking about it was probably, I want to say, it's either 2017 or 2018. I know that's a weird, it's weird to have that specific of a frame of reference. But I it know was, why. It was it was the lunches. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. but it was, it, was the, um, it was the Shadow of Mordor game. And oh, then, yeah. like, NBA. K18 or 19 or something. Um, but yeah, because those games <laughs> heavily incorporated loot boxes, mm-hmm. not as skin cosmetics, but like as part of the actual right. just progression. Like the whole game cosmetic. And of course, I'm also heavily against anything that's mechanic, like mechanically tied, right. um, which I know you are as well. Like games that are tied mechanically to loot boxes or ridiculous amounts of microtransactions. Uh, pay-to-win type stuff, even in a single-player game, is really frustrating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, 
and the other the other side of that is that like to my earlier point is just that like I don't I don't hold that up as like a huge deal. I don't try to stuff it in people's faces or anything. But it's also like how much I don't feel like I'm winning the war by voting with my wallet and I just don't get to enjoy some things. So it's yeah. some, sometimes it's just a double suck where it's like, yeah. this thing is still the most popular thing ever. It's still yeah, Coca-Cola or Disney or whatever, or EA. And they're still a mega giant corporation. They're not dying anytime soon. And so it's like, it's, it's hard to keep that position. And again, it maybe just more people need to have that position. So for the practices to finally change, yeah, th- this is going to get way too, and I'm, and I'm. It's also unfair because it's too broad of a brush. But like, it, it's the same thought that I had when you mentioned the like kids, <laughs> kids having weird social dynamics surrounding Fortnite skins, and it's like, it sucks because to me, like, the answer isn't that Fortnite shouldn't have skins. It's that as a society, unfortunately, that is actually our value system, and so the fact that the kids are subjected to that is is really just a product of the fact that that is how adults in this country operate. And it's like, I definitely agree that it's not Fortnite's fault, that the kids are getting bullied. Well, and it's like, it's too bad that there's just not someone that can like, if, and again, this is, this is me and I'm not suggesting that kids that are bullied should just be more like me or something. Uh, there's a lot of reasons that go into why people get bullied. So I'm not trying to, to shame people for being victims of bullying right. or something. That's not my point, but it's like, it's it, like, if I was that kid, who didn't have the skin and someone tried to make fun of me for not having the skin, I would just immediately point out that you didn't do anything to earn the skin though. It's just bought and paid for. And if you think that you're cooler because of something that you bought and paid, then I don't think you're cool. So I could care less what you think. Right. Unfortunately in our society, that's not a conversation that's had often enough. And instead people are, are told like, yeah, you should care what they think or yeah, I get it. That's tough. And it's like, but it's not. I think the difference is there actually is is the dichotomy of the fact that people are told like, oh, words, don't let their words affect you. Like, it doesn't matter what people think about you. But the reality is people do care or or it does matter what people think about you. Like to an extent. And and certain people, of course, matter more than others. But and but that's just a part of our society and not that it should be. It just the, well, it that's is. My point. and and that's that's where I agree to you is that but the thing is is that we talk about it like it isn't like yeah but I think that part of the I get and again off off the rails entirely now but I think that it's it's I think that's why I push back so hard against the like well they shouldn't have those then because it makes kids get bullied and that's a product of our society but we're not changing that so we can at least change this and it's like but that's the problem is we're never talking about the real thing right because we're talking about these skins. When the skins aren't the problem, the problem is, is that people don't know how to have any self-confidence to say, I don't care what your invalid opinion means right. because it's not a valid opinion. I think that you, I think bully. that, no, 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 I a hundred percent get it. And, and I think that it actually, it, it ties the closest that I can to, to kind of trying to get this a little wrapped up is that it ties back <laughs> to a conversation that we had off camera in which people want, uh, the, fastest solution with the least amount of of change or input they want you know minimal input maximum profit and Mm -hmm. changing all of society is a lot harder and takes a lot longer than just taking away the fortnite skins it looks like and it's not the solution the taking away the Fortnite, yeah it's not at all it won't solve the problem but it looks like it will and it'll solve 
that problem in that immediacy of that one kid getting bullied or whatever. Um, it doesn't solve the greater problem of bullying. It doesn't solve the problem of, you know, which is, and, and I'll, I promise we'll go on after this. But, <laughs> I do have other things I want to bring up. <laughs> I know, I do too. It, but it's funny because to say that it's hard to change society and easier to change that one company is true, except that it's easier to change your own mind about how you perceive people around you than it is to get the company that make Epic to change Fortnite. You know what I mean? Like, That's true. So it's like, I don't know. I don't again, think, but again, that perception is not one that many people hold. Right. So, so it's, again, we have to change society to get more people to hold that position, just like we yeah. got to change society to get more people to vote with their wallets. I'll tell you what, we're starting with this episode of the podcast. You people listen and you tell other people to tune in and we will end, but no, I'm, yeah. again, I, I don't mean to paint over bullying with a broad brush. No, like, no. There's going to be real, real tragedies that exist from that. Um, there are, and, and there are, there are a lot of examples of that that aren't just something as silly as Fortnite skins. Right. Now, there are fall. much bigger societal so, issues, and we're not here to get into all of those. Not, you know, we definitely want to kind of focus on why gaming matters and why it's important. I think that there are pieces of this that are important and that are related to gaming. And I think it is I, the responsibility of us as gamers to see and stand by those pieces in similar yeah. ways that, you know, anybody who upholds values is tied, you know, in some way to the values that they uphold. So what's funny is that since we since we started this show, you know, we've, of course, you know, some weeks we we kind of have just kind of what we've been playing that we talk about in some episodes like the Blizzard series that we did when we launched the show are were ideas that we knew what we were going to talk about ahead of, of recording that episode. Right. And for a long time, we've talked about when should we do an episode about loot boxes? Yeah, no, it really has. It, we always kick that down the road because it's, we knew it would be messy. We've now had it. <laughs> it's happened. We We've have had the it. loot box discussion. <laughs> okay, so... At so least we can reference it now. Or, when we come yeah. later, when we argue, we can we can reference this. <laughs> loot box episode. Um, okay, so you played Graveyard Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> What, what have you played this week, Walker? <laughs> I've been picking up my sticks to play. Um, well, no. So I actually, the reason I say that is, did you have, and I, you probably, even if you did, wouldn't remember now because I derailed us so hard, but did you have anything else that you wanted to add about Graveyard Keeper? I mean, you talked about... Graveyard Keeper kind of, has deep systems. I'm determined to beat the game. I'm trying to stream it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but I'm now also playing off stream, so I might have giant jumps in progress if you're trying to catch me. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, well, so something you said, so so as to what I played this week, um, one of the games I played was a game that you have also played called Forager. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Which is a Steam game... It is wildly hard to describe, actually. I had another friend that I told about it, and he was like, what is it? And I was like, um, it's kind of like a survival sim, except not at all like that. But it's you, a survival you like crafting game where survival is not very difficult, and there's a, an idle clicker mechanic as the game progresses. Kind of, yeah. And a little uh, bit I, of Factorio, I don't know. So... <laughs> So I, this is this is the and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is the description that that they have on the Steam store page on the about this game. Forager is a 2D open world game, which I would disagree yeah, with. Yeah, it's not already. open world. It is 2D. That's yeah, true. it's 2D. <laughs> 
a 2D open world game inspired by exploration, farming, and crafting games such as Stardew Valley, Terraria, and Zelda. And that actually is fair. I'll give it Zelda and Stardew Valley. I won't give it Terraria. Maybe a little bit, I guess, in the, the, the upgrading of weapon type stuff. And you can unlock a Terraria slime hat. So it's kind of got a direct all it, tie. If that's all it takes to be inspired by. <laughs> it's heavily inspired. Then my fashion and sense what? is inspired you by. That, you can get that that skin hat uh, without without a loot box and without any additional microtransaction. You can actually unlock it via achievement. Then, so. then my wardrobe is inspired by some famous, whatever famous French designer is popular right now because I've worn a color similar to one that they've used in a fabric that they've made. Like. You've always been incredibly fashion forward. So. Yes, we know that. <laughs> I say that my my video game sense I usually put in video game and entertainment is that for the most part I'm five years behind current uh, in what I play because I wait for deep discounts on sales and movies and uh, in, in games. But my fashion sense is probably like 20 or 30 years behind because I wear stuff forever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but so forage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Forager, the reason I say it's not open world, which I can get where they're coming from, because I don't know how you would describe it otherwise either, because it's not levels. There's not a linear progression no. that you go through. You're and not it is dungeon semi-random. Yeah. Because the map layout is di- different each time. Kind it of. It is. The, the, the locations of everything sort of change. Different. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um but basically, you start out, for anyone who hasn't seen it or played it, you start out on one little square of land, and there's rocks and trees and stone or whatever, Berry metal, yeah, that pop up. So you go mine those, but those repopulate on an interval. I don't know. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not like every 20 seconds the whole thing repops, but every so often a resource will respawn on that land. So it's not finite in the way that in Terraria or Minecraft, if you dig a rock up, another rock never shows up there unless you right. put it back, you know? Yeah. Um, and you also aren't terraforming like you do in those games. Yeah, not the, really. the resources stick up on top of the ground. And you there are some the ways to get more certain resources in certain areas or to fill in land or make water, but it's not on the yeah. scale of a Terraria or a Minecraft. You don't build, you can't dig down deeper. No. You can't build, build stuff up higher. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some light combat mechanics and it's a it's a game that is i don't know it, it's very interesting to me and it's it's interesting to me that i was able to play it as much as i was this last week and i think i played for a six hour session straight um which i was surprised by because i've played it before and the, and and it's and i played it for like 15 hours which is right on the store page about how much they estimate game time is there i didn't actually you know beat it per se but i got pretty far in it the first time um, but they've continued to update it. Yeah, there's been a lot of content. So I, I don't play it anymore, but I do keep up on the content, usually through Dangerously Funny, I believe, on YouTube, whose job, mm. he just tries to break games by doing, he will spend, he will do the ridiculous grind it takes to do something astronomically out there in a game to try to break it. And he will put in that time so that you don't have to. So mm. I, I like his channel for that. Like, So one of the other things in Forager is that you, you can buy up more land so you start on this one tiny little island but as the game progresses you can build make that island bigger by buying a whole chunk of land and it'll appear and it may have a puzzle or a dungeon or just new resources or a new biome in it or something right Uh, 
And I see. yeah. And so the, one of the things that you can do is get these little drone droids, I guess. And you're like the, in the game, like getting one is pretty hard and it helps you fight stuff and it helps collect stuff that's around you. So you don't have to run up and get it. And he just was, went into a grinding mode until he had like a thousand of them mm. and bosses would just instantly die as soon as he spawned them type stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's funny to watch him go through and try to break the game. <laughs> Right. Um, well, so something that made me think of it that you said in <clears throat> Graveyard Keeper is um, that you were curious if you unlocked things in the right order. Mm. So the tech tree and forager, like there's basically four categories. It's like farming, magic. economy, magic, and then like in industry. Yeah, there say. you go. Um, so farming is like gathering and stuff, too mining all that stuff anyway and so like if you pick you start out and you have one option in each of those categories and then let's say you pick the banking option well then what it does is it unlocks two adjacent squares to that one in the banking category and so when you level up again you could choose to put a point in any of the other categories and then it would expand those in the same way or you could invest in one of the other banking squares and then it would expand the banking category even further. And it might even expand if you're going up one side, it might expand into industry or into magic and unlock further squares in those. Yes. Um, So that is actually something that I have struggled with in that game is, am I doing this in the right order? And I'm pretty sure the answer is no, because what ends up happening is I do try and min max, like you said, and just stick to one and then what happens is like, like, for example, I, uh, what was it? Oh, I know. I, I had, I, I'd unlocked something in the industry tree, but I couldn't, I couldn't make the, yep. the, the, the component that you needed before that mm-hmm. thing that I now unlocked because I had, and the problem is, is that that's fine for the first several levels because you level pretty quickly. Yeah. Once you get to like around 30-ish, I would say, which is about where I'm at. I mean, it doesn't take hours, but it's not every 10 minutes. Right. So it can be. And you usually have to use the thing that you unlocked to to maximize your experience more. So if you unlock something that you can't make, that's just a waste of not just Mm -hmm. that level, but also your ability to get to the next level. Correct. Correct. Um. So I don't know. I'm kind of torn on Forger because, I I mean, I've enjoyed it on two different sessions spread out by, you know, several, several months. Um, And I got a lot out. I got a lot of mileage out of what is a relatively simple and short game, really. But it it, it, both times when I stopped playing it, it actually kind of left me with the feeling that idle games do. Yeah. Where there's this infinite, I mean, it's not infinite, but seemingly like infinite track of things to unlock. And so it's very good with me, at least initially at like sucking me in because I'm constantly like, just there's always something to do. I'm 45 seconds away from unlocking the next thing in this Mm -hmm. tree. Oh, now I'm 45 seconds away from getting this thing and so on and so forth. And, and then by the end, it's like, I feel, I feel like I've just been, chasing like this arbitrary thing that the game developer made up that I don't actually care about, which is completing this game, but because there's not a lot of challenge and there's not actually a lot of 
like probably the most interesting decisions that you make is actually the tech tree, right? Because <laughs> of what we were. I mean, there are about. they've added some bosses and stuff, and there are some dungeons that you can complete. It's not void of content outside of its core loop, but it's not like it's outside of its core loop. There's much else to be offered, and a lot of that stuff is like because your factory makes one iron ore into one iron ingot every ten seconds, but you can make a second factory. But the second factory costs. A little bit. It costs, you know, the first one costs five stone. The second one costs eight. The second, the third one costs nineteen or something, until it can be in the thousands of whatever. So if you have that much mining, maybe you can keep affording it. But it, mm-hmm. it does have that kind of similar exponential growth pattern that a lot of idle games do. In the kind of like, it's not that it's like a, fee, a smaller reward or you know what is the something returns the uh, diminishing yeah, thank you diminishing returns it's not like it's not a total diminishing returns sort of thing but it is in that area and it, in a lot of the same ways that idle and like if you automate iron production then you can automate steel production because now you can have the iron automatically go to something that makes steel and have that and make more of those and there is it's like an idle game meets zelda is is really kind of the closest that I think it well, feels. The, I think that's the reason that I always end up because when I, as I've shared before, whenever I play idle games, I do feel gross about it mm-hmm. um, to the point where I just can't touch them really. And with Forager, it starts off as a very active thing because there is no idle mechanic right. to it. You unlock but one I, furnace and you don't think it's going to be an idle game. You just think, "Cool, I have the furnace." Right. But eventually you even unlock what are basically Tesla coils from like Red Alert mm-hmm. that zap resources automatically as soon as they spawn, if they spawn in the radius of that tower. And you can build as many of those towers as you want. So it's like you basically unlock more and more features to make it idle. Right. Which I think is why so I the eventually. The further you it. get in the game, the more of an idle game it becomes and the less of a Zelda game it is. Yes. And the more I don't like that for yeah, whatever right? reason. Like, <laughs> And not even, not even like with a good explanation. Like I can't even criticize the design of it or something as much as just that. Again, for me, it just makes me feel like I, mean, I literally. Shall, I've definitely played way more idle games than you, and I'm a lot more open to them. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't love them, uh, but I played a lot more of them, and a, a well-designed one can hook me for at least a while, and I'll enjoy it and not feel totally gross yeah. about it. I I uh, I've I've wanted to be that because I don't I don't like. Um, I don't want to be pretentious about it. So I don't want to say like, oh, well, it's not a real game, so I don't like it. And it's like, I know a lot of credible people, i.e. yourself, who can and do enjoy them. And so I've I've tried to open myself up to it. And I don't think that they should make everyone feel the way that I do or something. No. I don't advocate that. Um, but yeah, for not whatever reason. loot boxes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but anyway, so yeah. So I played some Forager and... Um, you know, despite what I've just said about it, I actually do think that it's, I mean, it's not an expensive game, full price. It's, it, I guess actually full price, it's 20. They've come out with I, enough content recently that I think that the playtime is there. Um, yeah. As long as you don't mind foraying into, and it's not like it becomes all idle game. Some no. resources come from bosses. So there's some boss mechanics to encourage you to do that. There's certain 
biomes like the void biome that you can go and you have to fight things it's not idle resources there no. it's all combat generation and well you know let's look at stardew valley and stardew valley the one of the primary tech patterns or progression paths i should say for farming is unlocking bigger and better sprinklers right. which make it have to water uh eventually the little huts that we brought up earlier with little juju guys or whatever they harvest your crops for you so you don't have to do it and I think that those are cool mechanics, and I don't think those make Stardew Valley feel like an idle game. Right. So a game introducing a mechanic to automate a otherwise tedious task... Does not an is, idle game make. Yeah, and doesn't make it a bad experience. But I would say that it is a lot closer to having... like The only thing that the game doesn't, as far as I know, yet do is prestige you into a new game plus with that gives you a 50% boost to all of your factories. Right? right? Like... <laughs> And if you yeah. got enough souls from the last, you know, by making it to round 4,000, then it's good to respawn there. Like, it doesn't do that. Um, yeah. But it is, it's close in the way it feels in the later game. I, I mean, I agree. It feels a lot more like an idle game in the late game. I think, I mean, like I said, I think I would ultimately chalk that up to, at least for me, I don't feel like the decisions that you make continue to be as interesting. I feel like decisions become less over time right. as opposed to more. Right. No, I agree. Um, but either way, that being said, the game is incredibly cute. The art style is delightful. The music is nice. It's another single uh, dev too. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, it is. Cause yeah, there's like, it shows his picture like a, you know, yeah, digitized. you can unlock the achievements that give like the whole story of the game is is part of the achievement path there's a lot of art and stuff that you can unlock in the main menu to get the credits and like his story and how the game came to be and everything which is really cool yeah but so i mean you know i would say despite my own position on it this is another one of those things that, that drives me crazy about the cognitive dissonance of people which i'm technically experiencing right now which is that someone will play a game for a long time and then come back and say it's not worth playing and it's like but just because you got tired of it or just you worked out on it after, you know, in this case, I've played it for a little over 20 hours, which isn't a huge amount of time, right. but I think valid for, for what the game offers. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say it's still worth checking out, especially if you like any of those games that it, you know, claims to be inspired by. Um, I think it's a, a charming. At least your tool break. It doesn't take that from like a Minecraft or anything. Your tools don't break. Once you unlock a tool, yeah. you have it. Yes. Um, which is awesome. No, I, I thought Forager was a great game, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so did you play anything else besides Graveyard Keeper so, recently? Um, mostly, so I logged back into Space Engineers, mostly just to keep my spot on the server, because I'm not ready to lose all of that yet. Um, but life has been really busy outside of, you know, the podcast and the gaming world. So I haven't had a lot of chance. I even, I, I intended to buy something over this last weekend because um, I, I tend to sit on things until they go on sale and then still don't buy them. Uh, but I intended to just go in and just like, I don't care. I deserve a game. I'll buy whatever I want. Spent like four hours in the store. I was like, the first thing that I see that's worth any, you know, even catches my eye. I'm just going to buy it and play it. Definitely didn't. And spent like <laughs> two or three hours just staring at game trailers. Um <laughs> But there were there is something that that is on the horizon, and this actually goes back a little bit to not directly 
uh, depression in not buying a game from a certain studio, but uh, tangentially tied to there are games that I just probably won't ever be able to play because I'm not willing to buy every system that's out there. Um, and I'm also, I don't care enough to try to emulate. I don't even know if there's, I'm sure there probably are PlayStation five emulators or three, four, whatever, whatever mm. the current gen is. I don't know. <laughs> I, think, I don't know if there's even PS three emulators yet. Definitely PS two has been around right. for a while. PS three, but it, it can, I mean, it's challenging to emulate, that to entirely a modern hard. system is a lot more than it. it's like emulating a whole Windows 10 piece. Which I mean, you know, honestly, a PS3 and Xbox 360 is actually a 15 year old right. system at this. Point. <laughs> um, but they still they're, they're, there's there's still 1080p 3D graphics on right. those systems. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that is to say that like I'm not going to buy a PlayStation 4 for one or two games. Like, I mm-hmm. might buy a Switch because there's a fair number of games that I would like to play on that. There's only, like, two games that I really want the PlayStation 4 for, one of them being the latest Spider-Man game, um, mm-hmm. because, the la- like, almost every Spider-Man game outside of a couple have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one looks like it's even a step up from all of the amazing ones in the past, and I really want to play it. Uh, and the other one, I may be soon losing a reason to try to buy a PlayStation 4, which means I've just got to hold out on Sony to let Spider-Man come to PC. But ah. that is um, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I have wanted to play Robot Dinosaurs. It's been my thing since I was like six. Since I learned what dinosaurs and robots were, I'm like, let's put these things together. Mm-hmm. And... You know, and especially coming out of after, you know, even before I played Primal, I had wanted Horizon Zero Dawn. But especially after playing Primal, uh, uh, Far Cry Primal, that is, I I definitely still want to play Horizon Zero Dawn. And rumor has it that a PC port appeared on a uh, like a French version of Amazon. Mm. And while this doesn't guarantee that the product is there, like something appearing on Amazon doesn't mean that it's going to happen. There was also, I believe, some unconfirmed reports and rumors going around about a possible PC port. It's been three years since that game is released, so it's definitely kind of outside of any exclusivity periods or anything, um, or even normal exclusivity deals, like you know, Borderlands is going to be on Epic for one year or whatever. Like Horizon Zero Dawn has been out for three years. The sequel, I think, is I don't know if it's going to come out this year, but it's in production, at least the last I've heard. And uh, yeah, if that game comes to PC, that is definitely one I am buying because I've all I've wanted to play that game. I'm just not willing to spend six hundred dollars to play that. It's it really for me is like we talked about the, the, the steel battalion controller. That is the PlayStation 4 to me. It's a six hundred dollar mm. controller that plays two games. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because that's actually what motivated me to buy the last two consoles that I purchased, which the a long time ago I bought an Xbox 360, and the reason I bought it was because uh, Grand Theft Auto 4 yep. at the time came out, and GTA is my favorite game series, and so I was like, yep, have to play it. Now it was, I think it might have also been on PlayStation, I don't know, actually it might have been an exclusive launch on 360, because they used to do that for a right. while, where games one or the other for six months, kind of like Epic and Steam. Um, but anyway, so I got a 360 and I got 
GTA 4, and that's why I had that. <laughs> now I ended up buying way more games right. for it eventually. Um, and then, yeah, actually, same thing with, with the PlayStation, except it wasn't GTA, because GTA 5 I had on 360 also, and then bought the HD version on PC. Um, but it was actually Monster Hunter, which uh, is yeah. now also Yep. Um, but at the time it wasn't, and Monster Hunter had never been released on PC, so I did not anticipate that that was the case, that it would be coming there. Um, but yeah, Monster Hunter is what did it. Something that's interesting, you know, we don't talk a lot about consoles on this show, but I actually, the thing is, is that to me, the only reason to buy a console is exclusively the software. Right. Uh, if there's not a game that drives me to play it, I'm not going to buy it. Right. That's why I would buy a console is because of that. And I actually am very impressed with what Sony has done. I would be, I'm surprised if Horizon Zero Dawn is coming out on PC, not because I have any great deep understanding of that developer or their financial position or their relationship with Sony even, just simply because Sony has leaned into uh, what used to be called the hardcore gaming audience. I don't know if that's still a term or not that's used, yeah. but like Xbox has leaned very heavily into we're a media center. Well, and they've and, even leaned in towards Xbox has leaned into PC with the multi-device, you know, syncing across devices. Your PC games are on Xbox. Your Xbox games are on PC. Your Game Pass works for both. Like, they're almost... Which moving. makes... Yeah. Because they make Windows. Right. So, it, I mean, it, it makes sense that they would do that. But, but my point is, is they didn't really, like... You know, Gears of War is on PC now. I guess all Xbox, yeah, all Xbox games, are. games are now. Um, but they don't, as far as, so, I mean, because of that, I actually don't, I don't see myself buying an Xbox. I wouldn't say ever again, because who knows what will, what will come of things. But as of right now, unless for some reason I can't keep my gaming PC upgraded, right. and then I guess maybe an Xbox would be an alternative, but it's just, there, there's just not a reason for it. Whereas Sony has developed several games so not only horizon zero dawn and spider-man but also the god of war franchise the latest god of war is incredible right. i mean i like the old god of war games but the new one is shockingly good right like it's really surprising um the uncharted series is xbox or excuse me playstation exclusive gran turismo is, is playstation exclusive so i really appreciate that they've leaned in all of those games i guess maybe oh uh, the last of us playstation yeah. exclusive all of those games, with maybe the exception of the racing one, because it's a racing game, are, and even it, though, are really fi primarily focused on being really deep single-player experiences. Right. When gaming as a whole has moved to everything has to have multiplayer, or is, I mean, I remember back 10, 12 years ago, people were lamenting the fact that every game thought it had to have a multiplayer, right. which I agree was stupid. Like, there were games that had, like, Bioshock, had multiplayer right. in it, too, and it's like, no. no, this game is not, that's not what this is. But they felt like they had to, to be competitive. But never did I think we would we would go into a space outside of MMOs, but like a shooter that was just multiplayer only, like Titanfall right. or something, or Overwatch, um, which Overwatch is now yeah, <laughs> remedying that. They're, they're moving, but eh, still, they started. But yeah, but like just online only games that, that at least were traditionally single player. I mean, MOBAs are online only, but there was never a single player only MOBA. Right. So, you know, the genre was born in multiplayer. But yeah, stuff that started as single player 
that then just became exclusively multiplayer. Um, so I don't know. I appreciate Sony's commitment and their commitment is not one of, <laughs> of them trying to be a good guy company. It's because they saw an opportunity in the market right, and they're capital. Yeah. And they're absolutely correct. Sure. I mean, it's what the reason I own a PS4 instead of just having a PC still. You know? Yeah. I, I think my problem with it is that like, I'm already kind of against the fact that I even have an Epic Store account, <laughs> but I mean it's only because of me. <laughs> pretty much, yeah, I was willing to wait a year for Borderlands. Um, yep. Like I wait five years for everything, so a year for me is nothing. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's way harder for me to like, and it's not like I have anything against Sony outside of they won't totally give Spider-Man over to the MCU. But even that's kind of crumbling. But, like, I don't have some big deal against Sony or anything like that. Like, I probably should for any number of reasons, but I don't. Other than it's just, like, I think that the console wars were stupid and are stupid. And I think that I should get my game any... I should be able to play the the game anywhere. Because most of them are all running essentially the same code bases underneath, you know. Well, and beyond that, I mean, you know, PlayStation 3... Sony had their their proprietary cell processor that they mm-hmm. they built into it, but as far as I know, that was the last time that a hardware manufacturer made proprietary hardware. I mean, even the console. GameCube was trying to jump the gun on that by having their graphics card run by AMD. Like right. they were trying right. to standardize in a in a in an age where the console wars were at their highest. Like yeah. the GameCube was against the Xbox and the PlayStation Two. Like. Right. And failed (laughs) pretty miserably against those two. Although the Wii then came in and cleaned up the next generation. And I was way happier with the GameCube than I was with the Wii. (laughs) Well, that's what's funny is that the Wii outsold the other two Uh by a large margin. But to all non-gamers. Like to all, I mean, not exclusively, but almost. Like my mom owns a Wii. My mom hates video games. (laughs) Like. If ever I asked my entire childhood, if I asked for anything video game related, she would just literally laugh right. at me. I had to wait on my dad to hook me up because there was no chance she would ever do that. Um, Got to get that Wii Fit, you know? That's exactly why yeah. she did it. She wanted the balance board and the Wii Fit and, yeah, the whole thing. Um, anyway, so, so yeah, well, that's interesting. Uh, I didn't actually know that you had an eye on any of the PlayStation games like that. I, I We is, never it, talk about it's one of those things that I just it's one of the reasons that I can sometimes be spotted with that look of existential dread is is that every now and again there are many reasons that you'll catch me with that look but one of them is like huh I really want to play with robot dinosaurs yeah but I'm not going to spend money on a PlayStation it's a, <laughs> it's a beautiful it's a beautiful game I'm really excited about PlayStation 5 honestly because it's supposed to be able to play anything from the entire PlayStation back cataloging up back to PlayStation. That might be the only, like that might be a reason for me to invest. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive, especially now, if that is only via the original discs, then I'm not interested in that because I don't own any. But if I can digitally download them and then again, that would probably be when the emulator strikes up again, because if the PlayStation five already includes an emulator for every prior PlayStation, then you only have to emulate the one console then I may not have to buy a PlayStation 5, except I'm not really a well, pirate anymore, so. <laughs> well, but that's the thing is that, like, PS, like, because that hardware change is there now, I, I, I don't I don't know if on PlayStation, if they have to emulate the PS4 on the PS5, or if 
or if it just it's kind of like running an old game on a better computer yeah. you know what i mean like it's not really an emulation problem in the way that it was when the hardware was whatever weird proprietary right, thing they right. had. no um, that would be really interesting i mean and i guess i as much as i didn't really ever play more than the first maybe hour or two of final fantasy 7 um and i had it on pc i am still kind of excited for that game to come out and i don't know if i'm excited because i want to play it or because i just want to watch other people like it is legitimately like i don't want to watch people play horizon zero dawn and i've seen more gameplay of that than i actually want to because i've always held out hope that i would eventually be in a position where i could just buy a playstation and not care um but I, it's the same with like Spider-Man. I don't actually know. I've luckily kept out of most of that gameplay. But I, I, I don't because I want to play them, and I and I don't know if I'm in a position where I, I want to watch Final Fantasy VII or I want to play it. And I'm just not yeah. sure yet. It looks gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's enough to drag drive me in. I'll, I'm probably gonna have to wait for some reviews on that and see did what have they done to update combat mechanics what have they done are, are they because it's not a port it's very obviously not a port unless mm-hmm. all of the graphics are just fmb stuff <laughs> and the rest of the game looks <laughs> all of these updated graphics only for the fmbs the original graphics are still in all the rest of the game that would be the biggest bait and switch ever <laughs> but, right but that would be called uh warcraft reforged yeah. anyway <laughs> um <laughs> Um, well, so one thing I want to bring up that's kind of a, a current event type thing is um, is, is it, it's a genre that we've actually talked about quite a bit, despite being <laughs> not huge fans of it. Um, but it's something you actually mentioned at the very beginning of this episode and talking about the value of replay and how Graveyard Keeper doesn't incentivize you to replay it in the same way that something like maybe a Path of Exile does. Right. Uh, and that's Path of Exile is announced a new their their next new expansion and while i don't play path of exile a ton um i think i have close to 200 hours so it's not like i've never played you know that 200 hours is spread over a few years several separate play sessions right um i think i might even have it installed right now but um but i just think that 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 path of exile is something that whether you play it or not deserves deserves some attention and deserves, deserves a look because it is insane. The amount of content that they have added to that game over the last five or six years, and they have never charged a dime for it. Now, if you want to organize your inventory in reasonable ways, there's some microtransactions you should probably pony up for because there's just worth like it. inventory sorting systems that they offer through microtransaction are really, really nice. Right. And it's, it's definitely one of those things where you're like, I kind of feel like you should just make this the inventory. It is. But, but the game is free otherwise. But before so, they had those, before those were available, I remember being kind of sad because I almost bought microtransactions I didn't want to support the mm, developers. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a lot of options. I was like, I wish there was a cooler pet or skin or something because I'm willing to give these guys 
at least 20 bucks. I don't know. It's a, I've got way more than 20 bucks worth even, but I'd be willing to pony up for that. And there just wasn't anything worth 20 bucks that I wanted to buy. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the, the, none of the skin at the time, of course, now there is a lot more that you can, you can get into, but I, I'm kind of happy that that's there. Cause it's not a huge game breaking thing not to have, but I think that it, it's amazing how much content they offer you for free and how little they ask in return like if you're waiting on Wilson to not be a buggy mess, go pick up Path of Exile. It's amazing. Well, and just like it, like they've bucked so many trends too. Like they flipped on on its head the what currency is mm-hmm. in those games. There is no gold. All currency is items. It's all, all bartering. items transfer into other items. Yep. So yeah, it's all bartering. Um, they leaned into the trade system, but un- so. So when Diablo 3 came out, it had the real money auction house and just boo. even the gold auction house. Also boo. And people also didn't like that. I did because Diablo 2 is a game that is very heavily reliant on trading. You never find anything for your character right. that's good. So you have to trade. But there's not an easily supported trade system in the game. Right. So instead what happened was you had to go join some weird forum that's not part of Blizzard in any way. And and <laughs> to go back to our currency conversation... You ended up with some weird forum currency, right? And then you're trading items with, and it's like, I don't want to learn all of that. Has nothing to do with playing the game. I don't want to do that. So initially, I was like, I'm glad that Blizzard has built this into the game, so I don't have to go to these other weird black market sites, basically, right. to participate. Now it turned out that that was a huge failure, and it didn't for a number of reasons. But but in Path of Exile is more like Diablo 2, where it's pretty rare that you get anything good for your character, at least once you're high level and are looking right. for more specific items. Um, but they have an awesome, awesome support for trading where you can go to, the, I think it's like poetrade.com or something, or poe.trade or I don't know, something like that. And you can search all listings of that players have put up uh, for sale. And if you just find an item you want to buy, it will tell you if the player's in the game and you can right click on the item or whatever and say send message to player and it will automatically in the game client send that player a message on your behalf Take it from what I want to buy, offering this right and it doesn't just say what the item is it actually also lists for them which column in row in which inventory oh, wow. bag but yeah you just know exactly it. what i don't even have to know what i'm getting just where it is Right. So they know what you're talking about. And then if they're online, you know, if they're not away, you know, even though if they're actually present, yeah, the way it works is they invite you to a party, summon you to wherever they are and you do the trade. It takes, you know, 30 seconds, a minute. It's very low. I also like that the currency system is useful stuff. Like you can Mm -hmm. trade an item for an item, of course, like you can in most games that have a trade system, but also like, your scrolls of identify, you can merge 10 of them into a gem that allows you to resocket an item or like a mm-hmm. chaos orb. Or, there are different. So it like all of the items that you're trading and it, it there are like what, I don't know, 15 levels of currency, maybe more as far as how yeah. it goes up the chain. But each one of those items is useful, not just it's not like gold that if i give you gold you can maybe buy a wow sub or buy another item it's useful in its own or own self because like maybe i want that rare item that somebody has but it the the sockets are the wrong colors 
so I can use this to re-roll the socket colors. And and so some people will sell items just to get those things. Like, I need 10 Chaos Orbs because I need to re-roll this item at least 10 times to get what I want out of it. Like, right. that's where some yeah. for a random chance I'm 100% okay with. <laughs> That's, you know, this is the, it's the idea with like the, the, something that people don't consider often and, and, and not that this is profound from me, but, but it is true is that money isn't real. Money is just a made up thing that somehow we all agree upon as a currency, as a value exchange. Right. right? But it doesn't, there is no actual tangible value to the money. It doesn't, it just makes bartering <laughs> like, Time for a computer a lot easier that I can give you some of my time, you give me this, and I'll use that to buy a computer from somebody else. Because it's right. really it, – you can't trade a chicken for it as easily. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It makes it makes commerce much simpler um, because the real world is not Path of Exile where we can all ping each other from anywhere <laughs> in the world. Say, so, hey, I got 100 <laughs> chickens that I transmuted into a block of gold. <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. And the, the the currency, so the value of the different items in the currency isn't based on the game saying that it is valuable. Right. It's, not, it's not unlike a silver is worth less than a gold because that's just the way that it, the math works. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but yeah, Chaos Orb is, is, has a value to it because of what it does. Right. So exactly what you were saying you're absolutely right that is a really interesting and thing i love that I, I on top of the fact that they they lean into the awesome trade system i also mm -hmm. love because like stones of jordan had value in diablo 2 but only to a point they just then only have them for your character but once if you needed it for your build and had it any subsequent ones no right. longer they, have value. They, oh they only had value as trading and they mm -hmm. just became a, a currency because they were rare mm -hmm. Yes, but it, it, that makes the currency sync so much more interesting too. Because as a low-level character, scrolls of identify are valuable, right? Like, <laughs> so they are the bronze of the tree, uh, or they're the copper pieces, or whatever, and so mm -hmm. they're valuable in the beginning. But after a certain point, you can kind of have infinite of them, but then you can transmute them up to the next thing that's probably valuable as a mid-level character is re-rolling your sockets. And then up a higher level than that is re-rolling weapon stats or guaranteeing certain weapon you know, attributes or whatever. And then higher than that is reforging items into legendaries or whatever. Each of the currency tokens is its own token sync in a really unique way that I think is just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And something else they do... Um that's really cool is, you know, basically every three months or four months, whatever it is, they have a new season, but just like with this newest announcement that they made that prompted this, you know, part of the conversation, they introduce brand new mechanics into that season and see how it works. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that the community likes and that they think is balanced and they think is good for the game, then they roll it into the base game and it's there. And if it doesn't work and it's not great, it's only around for a few months and then it gets scrapped. And you don't have to play season. a season character. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, and if you do play a season character, once the season ends, it automatically rolls over into the normal non-season so, so what was the – did I miss the announcement or just get too excited about talking about Path of Exile that I forgot it? <laughs> just simply that they've just announced their next expansion oh, okay, that's coming. Okay. That's all. Um, I just saw that and, and just – it just – again, as much as we've talked about Diablo and, and I kind of personally hate on – 
ARPGs in general because I think that they haven't changed, which Path of Exile does actually fall into that category where as cool as all of those systems are, the reason that I don't know life at nonstop is that ultimately I get kind of bored because it's, it is the same gameplay, right? right? It's stabbing Diablo. chunks of zombies or mutant. Yeah, or exactly. Which can be fun uh, in its own right. And I think it has a lot of other, I mean, my, yeah. I wish more games would take their skill system, like the massive skill web and your ability to, to kind of, move through the web and start as a wizard but pick up half barbarian or whatever like that idea of a skill tree is so much better to me and and so much cooler than and like to be able like once you beat the game the new game plus of it or at least beat a certain level of boss i don't know if you have to beat the whole game now is unlocking the scion which starts in the middle of the web instead of on one of the outer spokes and it's just like that is just so mind-bogglingly cool like, even if you don't want to play the game, go look up any website that has a PoE, like, character builder or or trainer or any of the, like, build sharing sites. They almost all tie into some map that will show you the massive, there's, like, what, 200, 300 nodes on the map yeah. that are all, some of them are just a little bit of health or bonus to dexterity. Some of them are fully-fledged skill like talent options that work with other talents and build up certain class resources or whatever. It's massive. It's huge. And it's amazing. And I love it. Well, so, and that's actually just the passive skill tree. That's actually just right. the stat benefits. And, and, it, and it does modify the way your character works. Like there are some big ones that make it so like you can never be critic critically hit or you, you also can never deal a critical right. hit. Or, or you like generate that. rage, which, you know, can be used, like, if you have three rage, you deal 200% damage, or there can be other, they're not, like, active skills, but other passives that then use rage as a resource or something, but... Right. So, yeah, the the skill tree in that, which, I mean, it's way more expansive than what I'm getting ready to compare it to, but it's the closest thing that I've seen to what Final Fantasy X did um, 20 years ago. Right. But Final Fantasy X skill tree looks like the path of exile like an early version of what the path of exile passive skill tree is and then the way your active skills work so if you're going to do a flame shot as an archer or an ice shot or a dodgeback dagger throw or whatever it is you're going to do all of that comes from gems that you find that you sock it into your gear okay. and that's how you get your active skills so the builds that you can do are seemingly infinite because you can make the passive tree whatever you want and then you can combine that with whatever active skills right. you want and you can really change those out at any time because you're not specking into those. Right. Those are and, and then the and the weapon choices on top of that further a lot like a Diablo three are you're you leaning into your active and passive set by getting certain gear. Like mm -hmm. I I kind of want to go in. I wonder what it would be like to go into Path of Exile already rich, like to be able to get any kind of items or anything I want because I feel like character building from the end game might be more interesting than getting a character to the end game. Yeah. I mean, if you go look at guides, actually a lot of, a lot of the higher level players, that's when I say higher level, I mean, committed, dedicated players. Right. That's what they do. When a new season comes out, they have one certain character build that they'll do that is super fast to get leveled. And then they can farm with mm -hmm. to build other but characters that are better killing well, and that are maybe better equipped to kill higher level bosses right. or clear high or whatever. Um, but yeah, just a super cool game. And 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 so 
to tie it back to Final Fantasy again briefly, it's very similar to the Materia system from Final Fantasy VII. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of like if Final Fantasy X and VII were blended together as far as the way skills... And then and, poured and over Diablo II. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and one other thing, I, I, I've probably gone on too long, but one other thing that I think is so cool is they bucked the trend of you play through the set of content and then you up the difficulty and play through the exact same content again and then up the difficulty instead. Now that's how it started. Right. But now I think there's just 10 acts. Mm -hmm. And so the game doesn't have a hell and a nightmare or whatever difficulty. You just go from act one through 10. And when you get end of 10, you've beat the game and that's, you know, or finish the campaign, right. I should say. Not and you can still run the maps, which are the same as, like, Rift Run, kind of. They're kind of like Rift Runs. It's really the in-game progression right. system. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just wanted to bring up Path of Exile and their new patch, even though I, who knows if I'll even try I, it. I always uh, want to, and I, every time I get in, I just don't. It's, it's kind of like my Minecraft. Something else has to hook me to it. Maybe right. we need to play a co-op pathway really though the hard part is just getting past that first act like the first two acts getting through those played it so many times yeah i don't know if i'll be so able to get through it even with a co-op i i will say i would be i would be probably down to try it because i've wanted to play a co-op but no one that i know that plays it is ever playing it at the same time that i'm playing well it. let's so, let's make it when whenever it comes out whenever the new season the new patch is going to yeah. come out let's let's set it because it's not like i have to buy it so there's no restriction yeah. on me there i have literally no reason to try to shut this game down <laughs> and say i don't want to play it so we should definitely just hook up and maybe do a little bit of multi-streaming yeah. or something yeah, I'm down with it. So that's all for our episode today. Please join the discussion by tweeting your thoughts to us at PUYSPod or follow us there to get a notification on stream times. Check out the links below for many other ways of getting your thoughts to us from email to Discord. We'd love to hear and discuss your thoughts on air. If you'd like this episode, please rate, star, thumbs up, and review us wherever you're listening. And tell a friend about us. It really does make a difference. All of our links will be available in the show notes, and if you want more of Walker's insights on pretty much everything in life not related to gaming, please check out his other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found. Hey NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game, every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month applies. 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.